When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And a very good morning. Our lines are open 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. JP and for Patricia just for today. She's back tomorrow with you until one and Bernie taking those calls and comments across the show. And ahead this morning we're going to be looking at why the gambling sector needs further regulation and this will be including the banning of gambling adverts at certain times on both TV and on social media. It's put together by Sinn Fein's Thomas Gould, the Cork North Central TD. He's come up with this strategy. He joins me shortly on the programme and a lot of talk about gambling over the last year. Uh, One thing we have heard from people who have been affected by this, someone in their family who has uh, gambled and has maybe had a gambling problem, is how easy it is now to gamble. And while people could be sitting in their front rooms watching something on TV or even talking amongst themselves with the power of a smartphone and apps, you could be gambling on that. And that is one issue that is worrying a lot of people. And everywhere you look, there seems to be gambling adverts. And it's a time now to uh, take hold of this and tackle it for the safety of so many people who fall into this trap. And then the other side of it, is it unfair then on the companies that provide this service? I mean, they will have a speak on this as well. And those who take the advertising will discuss that shortly. Your views are welcome. Also, we're going to chat with Pieta House on how they are seeing an increase in younger people contacting their service. One of the reasons, and as we're all aware, we're all communicating more with online video over the past year, uh, but because people are looking at themselves on the phone, on the video, you're speaking to a friend, you can see yourself down the corner of the screen, body image has become a big problem. And I do presume, and not I would have spoke to Ken earlier about this on The Breakfast Show, not only is it that just the reason. I think uh, when we look at the increase in the popularity of reality TV shows, there's so many of these shows online streaming on Netflix and Amazon and then uh, the biggest one I suppose is Love Island. And when you see the body image that the contestants have on those shows, it does reflect to those teens who feel they should be looking similar and it's putting pressure on them uh, amongst other reasons that has happened over the last year. We'll speak to Peter House this morning on that and also why the Rural Animal Welfare Resources Group are asking people to neuter their cats. This is following a situation they had to deal with in McCroom, something that gone out of control with a number of cats roaming around certain areas of McCroom. We'll speak with Roar, who operate out of 
Bantry this morning and we're going to hear about an audio trail of Cork City's bridges and the marina area. Uh, this is really fascinating and really interesting. It's put together by local historian and local city councillor Kira McCarthy uh, but it's really interesting and it's the areas of the city that we all have walked by over the years. If you work in the city you will have walked by these every day uh, and it's to get the history behind these bridges first of all and why they were built and seeing how the city has expanded to think that St. Patrick's Bridge was built, a bridge we all know, one of the main bridges crossing the city from north to south and south to north. But the reason that was built was to accommodate the rising population on the northeast side of the city. And this would have been at a time when St. Luke's and those areas were beginning to build up, not to mind going far out to Tivoli and further out again now as we're, uh, you could say, to the Glanmire and those areas which are all part of the city. So it's interesting to see how the city has grown, but also the history behind the names we have for certain places in the city uh, that comes from when we were under UK rule and then uh, the marina, how that has developed. So it is really interesting. We'll hear about that audio trail and how it all came about later in the show. And we'll be going gardening with Peter Dowdall after 12.30. If you have a question for Peter, get those into us nice and early uh, so we can put them to Peter. It gets really busy on our gardening segment, so get the questions in as soon as you can. Bernie taking your calls, 1850-333-103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. But you would have heard earlier that the organisers of Electric Picnic, they are urging Leach County Council to reverse its decision to refuse the licence for holding the event this year. It follows comments by the Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan and that Nefish would not object to a large event such as EP so long as only vaccinated people attend it. Now Nefish are going to meet today and they will prepare advice for the government ahead of a publication of a roadmap to easing restrictions. It seems next week uh, there will be a press conference or a statement by on Taoiseach Michal Martin on where Ireland goes next and the further easing of restrictions hopefully uh, according to the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly that by Christmas there'll be no restrictions and as we lead up there'll be less and less and less restrictions. Mask wearing is the one thing that people may be wearing still inside Uh, but with regards to the current restrictions we have uh, they could be totally gone uh, by Christmas and certainly we'll see big changes in the easing of those over the next few months so good news on that regards but on the situation on going to concerts and big outdoor events and people want these events returned Dr Hooligan he's urged people who are yet to be fully protected from the virus to avoid large events over the coming months here is what he had to say yesterday with such high levels of vaccination uptake that that doesn't necessarily mean that these events couldn't take place but you as an individual who is uh, not vaccinated this is really not a place for you to be would be would be would be, I think, the responsible public health advice that we would give. So that's uh, Tony Hoolan speaking yesterday, whereby he basically is saying that those events like Electric Picnic and big, big events can go ahead uh, for those who were fully vaccinated, those who were not then. Uh, he feels on public health advice that they should stay away from those events for their own safety. Your views are welcome on that, 1850 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. We'll have to wait and see if Leash County Council will relook at their decision on holding Electric Picnic and that will pave the way then for other 
other events to start. And while that has been mentioned there, a lot of talk over the last number of months on the COVID certs, well, it seems by October, if everything goes to plan, you could see a situation that they could be scrapped. There'd be no need for those COVID certs for pubs and restaurants. And again, when it comes to the sporting events, the All-Ireland Football Final, while that will be going ahead, like the hurling final, uh, Dr. Hoolan has come out again, like what he said about EP, and that people who are going, he feels it should be confined to people who are fully vaccinated. The same advice he gave for those who were going to big concerts. And then, uh, staying with the situation regarding to COVID-19, as the majority of people in this country have been vaccinated, thousands of those who are fully vaccinated, but are those people with weakened immune systems, they're shortly to be offered a COVID-19 booster vaccine shot. Also mentioned yesterday that 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 rollout will happen quite soon. And it's coming amid concerns from many people who are fully vaccinated uh, and some are being admitted to hospital, but many of those have uh, underlying medical conditions and it leaves them uh, with less protection against the virus than healthy people. So they're the ones that will receive any booster shot that is given quite soon and they'll be the ones given the booster shot first. And a bit of shock yesterday to the music world and this was on the sudden death of the Rolling Stone Charlie Watts, the band's member uh, he was 80 years old. He was one of the greatest drummers that the band have said. And he pulled out of the Stones tour recently, but no one really took or no one knew that this would happen, that, you know, he was that ill, that uh, things took an unexpected turn yesterday. And this shocked everybody when they got the news. And interesting that the Rolling Stones played in Cork in 1965. They played in the Savoy. I'm not too sure if many people were at that or not, but in 1965, they played in the Savoy. And in the 60s, on that night in 1965, the Gardaí had to be called in. No trouble, but just a huge roar uh, for the band and the huge fan frenzy that the band brought with them. The Gardaí had to just control the fans, but there was no trouble whatsoever at that. But interesting that uh, they did play Cork in the 60s at the Savoy in the city centre. And from rock and roll to Linster House, because we all know there's been a lot of work done to Linster House over the last number of years from that famous printer uh, that they got installed. And I don't think that printer is still working and the cost that was to the taxpayer. And then there was, remember, was it about over two or three years ago? There was a massive refurbishment uh, carried out in areas of Linster House, again, at a huge cost. That was about 17 million euros that we all paid to have Linster House in tip-top shape for all DTDs and everybody else that goes in there. Well, uh, pictures have been given to a number of tabloid newspapers by ATD that is showing cracks now in the internal walls and ceilings uh, have plaster missing and plaster falling off them. It seems the main stairs that leads to the doll chamber that was closed this week as the falling plaster from the ceiling represented a hazard and it's understood that the problems all that's happening with everything falling off the walls it's due to the roof itself and when Storm Brendan hit in January a leak meant that mats and buckets and all of that were uh, plonked next to windowsills and TDs now have sent these pictures to a number of the tabloid newspapers and they're saying it's unbelievable especially when only a couple of years ago millions were spent on doing up Linster House and now Uh, The work may have to be redone again at a cost to the taxpayer. I mean, 70 million euros, a huge amount of money uh, over two years ago to refurbish Linster House. And now uh, cracks again are showing uh, things falling off the ceiling. The roof needs repair. And will we need another 
17 million to fix Linster House. Is it worth that? Uh, your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And a lot of people over the last two years have been listening to us while they're at home, working at home, radio on the backgrounds. And it seems a lot of people would rather stay working from home. A recent survey that was carried out by Royal London, the insurance firm, uh, it shows that only one in 10 want to return to the office full time. Some people would like a hybrid model. Some people would like maybe to work at home three days a week, go into the office two days a week. And what's the biggest reason? Well, we are no surprise here. One of the biggest reasons is people are relocating and 18% of those would look to the countryside or a town uh, to move to so they would save on living in cities, which is more expensive. Also, the commute is a big factor. Rather than getting up in the morning and uh, travelling for an hour, uh, people can just get up and walk into some room in their house and it saves them big, big uh, trouble and less stress as well. Uh, they've been stuck in traffic every single morning for over an hour and the traffic levels have increased so much so you cannot blame people for wanting to just uh, stay at home and if you can get the work done from home and if everything is done correctly as it was in the office then why not work from home Uh, because traffic levels have just gone uh, crazy I don't know if anybody has uh, noticed that but uh, I've noticed that certainly travelling up and down uh, to where I live every uh, day from the station here uh, the North Ring Road anybody who travels that on a daily basis I mean come four o'clock most days not every day but most days uh, that can be a car park uh, particularly from the Mayfield side to the and vice versa so I'm not too sure if anybody else is noticing the traffic has really increased and you cannot blame people then for wanting to stay at home and work rather than adding two hours to your journey every day and while the music industry has been quiet and basically nearly shut down for the last two years even though artists have still luckily been able to record new music profits have soared past wait for this 4 million euros and they this is at Daniel O'Donnell's company and despite he had no gigs last year and I don't know was it record sales or what has caused this but despite no live music uh, records uh, have been made with profits and he has made over 4 million euros at the entertainment company uh, which Daniel O'Donnell owns which is Daniel O'Donnell Promotions Limited so we do presume it's due to the sales of his music or downloads over the last while and very finally Skibreen is in the news over the last while uh, for a lot of good reasons and they have and there's been a few people in Skibreen have achieved world records outside of anything to do with the Olympics there's been a few world records made in Skibreen well another one has officially been nailed and this is Sean Daly who's been officially recognised by the group in the world Guinness World Record group because he managed to bounce two basketballs 729 times in just 60 seconds. A video shows him pulling off the fairly mad achievement. Uh, Records are nothing new though to Sean because he nabbed one before for spending the longest time bouncing two balls whilst blindfolded. And back in March he managed to bounce the two balls together for two hours and six minutes with his eyes covered. So there we are. A lot of achievements for Skibarine with the Olympians over the last number of months. And now another world record, a Guinness World Record for Skibberine's Sean Daly. So well done to Sean on that achievement. Our lines are open. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. Bernie taking your comments and you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And Tom was on to us earlier in the week asking what is going to happen with Malo Bridge and a lot of talk over the last number of months when the works would continue regarding the boardwalk at the bridge and while things were put on hold over the last number of months due to everything going on regarding COVID and the construction sector 
director works did recommence and now uh, the latest we have from Cork County Council this morning they're confirming that a road closure for Mallow Bridge will take place this weekend from 7 o'clock on this Friday until 7 o'clock on Monday next and this is to facilitate a boardwalk bridge lift installation now the detour to traffic will be in operation but pedestrian access that will remain so you can still walk over the bridge uh, but if you're in your car or truck or whatever you'll have to be diverted elsewhere and it looks like they while it's going to be closed this weekend the bridge in Mallow possibly will also be closed the following weekend as well but for this weekend uh, from 7pm on Friday the Mallow Bridge will close to facilitate those works in installing a boardwalk bridge in Mallow 1850-333-103 lines open you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 on the way why we need further regulation in the gambling sector Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 Gambling adverts at certain times on television could be a thing of the past under a plan launched by Sinn Féin Their spokesperson on addiction recovery and well-being Thomas Gould feels far too many lives are being destroyed and the Cork North Central Jeopardy now joins me on this Good morning to you Thomas Good morning, JP. And thanks for joining us. I mean, this the government, first of all, gave a commitment in 2013 when they first published the Gambling Control Bill. Now, nothing really came from this. And they've promised now to look at this again by the end of this year. Is this why you're raising this? Because nothing was done over the last number of years? Yes, JP. What happened was in 2013, there was a bill brought out, which, which was a decent bill. You know, to be fair, it had everything, but it had an awful lot in it and would have been a great start. Uh, but unfortunately, that was shelved. And then in 2018, there was another bill. The first one was brought by Fianna Gael. The second one was brought by Fianna Fáil, which actually built on the work that was done in 2013. And then that was shelved. Now, there have been a lot of promises over the last eight years about bringing forward the Cabinet Control Bill and bringing forward a regulator. And the reason we brought out our, our documents is in 2017, we passed this in an Ardesh. And in 2019, we published our first uh, gambling strategy. And what I've done now as part of my role is I've updated the strategy now. Uh, and what we're hoping to do is we're hoping the government will take some of the points, if not all the points we have in our document, and put them into the gambling control bill. Because for far too many people, JP, um, their lives are being destroyed by by gambling. No. For the vast majority of people out there who gamble for fun or entertainment, our document will have no effect on them. Our document is specifically targeted people who are uh, have a problem with gambling or who are gambling addiction or who are the families of people who are involved in gambling addiction uh, to support them and to put to put uh, I suppose support and structures in place to help those who are affected by this. And one of the points in the strategy, Thomas, is the mentioning of banning TV adverts. I mean, would this be all the time or at certain times of the day that you'd ban those? And then I suppose if it's just going to be TV, I presume social media and others will be the same. What we'd be looking to do is ban advertising, online advertising, TV advertising and online advertising during the watershed. So before nine o'clock at night, like, There'll be you can advertise after nine pm, but beforehand we're looking to ban it because what we saw during the Euro, European Championships was the amount of online advertising that was being done uh, and 
like what we know is the gambling companies see advertising now as a way of getting more and more young people involved in gambling. And what we're trying to do is protect young people because there was a European report done there earlier this year and it identified that there are 3,400 young people between the ages of 15 and 16 in Ireland who have a problem with gambling. And another report that was carried out by Minute College last year found that there are 55,000 adults in the state that have a problem with gambling. So the, the reports are there, the work is have to be done, and what we're looking to do is, is number one, Stop advertising and the targeting of young people. And when you mentioned the stop in the advertising, we mentioned TV there. Regarding social media, I mean, if you click on YouTube, you're faced with gambling adverts every uh, few seconds. I mean, if you're going to do it in the watershed, how are you going to control it with the likes of YouTube and online sites, which do target the younger generation? Well, that's why you, we have to have an independent gambling regulator. Now, the government have given that commitment, but... We need them to deliver it, and that person then, he or she would have the ability then to put the, the rules and regulations in place to prevent online targeting. Because the one thing we know from COVID-19 is uh, gambling companies went to social media and they did an unbelievable amount of advertising targeting people. And all worry is vulnerable people. Like, we have no problem with people having a bit of fun. It's the vulnerable people, young people, and those who are at risk is who we're trying to protect. Mm. And what if you get a hit back then from, and this has happened in other countries who are trying to do this, from, let's say, TV networks and those big social media companies who say, we rely on these for advertising, and if you cut the hours that they can advertise, it will affect their revenue. I mean, what do you say to the people in that situation and who have another viewpoint? Well, what I would say is it's more important to protect children from getting hooked on gambling than it is to worry about big businesses and their advertising budgets. No, well, we're not looking for a complete ban. What we're saying is after 9pm at night, they can be advertising. But at the end of the day, what kind of society do we want to have? Like, do we want to see, during the last European Championships, 20% of all ads were related to gambling. Now, does that seem a reasonable amount of ads? I would say it's not. And I would say... They knew that a lot of people, and particularly families, were watching the European Championships together, and that's why they went in to target them. So what we're going to say is, we need to protect young people. I have no problem with adults if they want to gamble. And the other thing is that what we also want to do is we want to ban young people from joining online. At the moment, you've got a 72-hour window where you have to prove your age. What we are saying is no one should be able to join a gambling site online unless they can prove their age before they start. Yeah, because so, with apps now and with online, uh, we've, again, over the last number of years, dealing with this issue, families who were sitting down watching TV together uh, or just chatting together, you could have a member of the family or a household, uh, if, if you're sharing a house with, with, with housemates, who were actually on an app or online on their smartphone and gambling away while they're talking to you. They're telling you they have no problem, but they might be gambling 50, 100, you know, 500 euros on whatever uh, while they're sitting across the way from you, supposed to have a conversation 
or supposedly having a conversation with you or watching TV. Uh, and that is the big issue. So do you think the 72-hour window will have an effect for the young? But what about those who have an addiction and are saying they don't have an addiction, but are clearly uh, using gambling apps and online to get around the loophole of no one knowing what they're up to? Well, there's a very good system in Sweden called PlayScan. And the PlayScan system, what it does, it monitors people's online gambling and it monitors the amount of money and the amount of time that people spend online gambling. And what it does, it sends out warnings. Uh, you've been, uh, you've, you've uh, reached your limits or you've spent too much or you're spending hours online gambling. And in actual fact, the National Lottery have a similar system here where if you log on to Lotto, uh, it will send you a warning if you're under too long. Now, a lot of people just would go on and would, would, would forget to come off. But what this system does is send a reminder. And there are very good, like, in, in England and Wales, just being a gambling regulator for 15 years. No, they've made mistakes. And what we can do now is we can look what the English have done and take out the best of what they have. Look what they've done in Sweden. New Zealand brought in very good laws. Like what we're saying, they won't cost any money either. Because what we're looking to do is to put a levy and a license fee on these big gambling companies so that that money would be spent on counselling, education. Uh, we we would like the same way as you have with the, you know, the ads on TV about drunk driving or, or you have ads on cigarettes. Mm-hmm. We want we want advertising to let people know the risk they are at if they gamble. And the one thing I'm looking to do this this winter is I'm looking to bring forward a piece of legislation that would ban people from being able to gamble with credit cards. I don't think it's right that people can gamble money they don't have. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, and, and, and later on, then it affects everybody around them when they can't pay back that money to the credit card company. And where do we stand at the moment in relation to casinos? Because while we've spoken a lot there about you know phoning and, and online gambling, uh, there's been issues over the last while in, in towns here in Cork where casinos or arcades are trying to open up near schools. Now, I know some Cork towns have old bylaws and they can you know prevent this from happening. But is there anything within the strategy that will prevent an arcade or a casino opening up, for example, on the main street of a town or near a school? You see, at the moment, it's very complicated in Ireland. You have, you have the Betting Act of 1931, the Gambling and Lotteries Act of 1956, the Lottery Act of 2010. You've got the Department of Justice are involved in issuing certs. You have the Revenue are involved in uh, awarding betting and licensing. You've got the Standards. Uh, authority, the Advertising Standards Authority in relation to ads, and then you'll take out the district courts in relation to providing licenses. Like, what we're looking for is everything would go through the regulator. And for the issue you raised in relation to casinos and slot machines, that deal would all come under the remit of the regulator who would be independent. Like, at the moment, no, we have, it's, it's like a, a patchwork in relation to gambling and its, its management. If you have a regulator with a gambling control bill, all this can be streamlined and then it can protect, because at the end of the day, Ireland has a very strong history and tradition of gambling, whether it's horses or whether it's whatever section it's in. What we're looking to do is 
have the entertainment and the positive side of it, but to protect people at risk and to protect young people. And that's where the gambling regulator will have the authority and the power, because it would be very important that they would have the power to... Um, implement all these or what you're trying to achieve very finally Thomas um, briefly on this have you made contact with any of the major companies that are running in this industry and what have they said if if you have got feedback from them well what they're saying is they're talking about self-regulation as you know yourself self-regulation is no regulation and some of them want to see a gambling control bill but they don't want to see the, the level of control that we want the regulator and the power of the regulator we want him or her to have. So, like, they're, they're looking at what happened in the UK and they're, they're, they're watching what Ireland are doing. I think we have a great opportunity now to set a standard here for Europe that um, that we will have the controls in place. And, like, the one thing I've noticed is the amount of people who've contacted me, there's, there's people said, They've nearly lost their family home because their husband or their wife or their partner gambled everything they had away. Other people, have, their, their relationships have broke down. They've lost their jobs. You see, the thing about gambling is it can be done and no one would notice. If you're on drink or drugs, it's obvious you're on it. But if you're addicted to gambling and you made a point there earlier on about a person on the phone sitting in a restaurant or sitting at home and they're gambling and you wouldn't even notice it. And that's the thing about gambling. It's a kind of, it's a hidden addiction. And people need support. There was a lady on TV yesterday uh, with two children. She told me her story, how she'd been addicted to slot machines. She'd spent every penny she had and her family had on them. No, thank God. She's been recovering nearly 10 years. But she was just letting me know how... There was was actually no education programme in the state to educate young people about the the risk of gambling, and there's actually no no place specifically aimed at gambling addiction. And the one the one thing we want to change is gambling is controlled by the Department of Justice. We believe anyone who's in addiction or wants to go into recovery that should come under the Department of Health. And that's where we should be looking at it. Good point. Uh, for the moment, Thomas, uh, best of luck with the implementation of this. Uh, hopefully something will happen as they're promising towards the end of the year. But for the moment, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Good morning. That is uh, Thomas Agoo there, the Cork North Central Deputy and Sinn Féin spokesperson on addiction, recovery and well-being in relation to gambling. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Coming up, we're chatting with Peter House on how they are seeing an increase in younger people contacting their service. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. The number of young people seeking help from Pieta House has increased by 42% this year and has more than doubled on this time last year. Overall demand for Pieta services has grown by 22% since last year and Tom McAvoy is fundraising and advocacy manager with Pieta House and he joins me now. Good morning to you Tom. Good morning John Paul. Great to have be on here today. And thanks for joining us. I mean are you now working with more young people than ever before? Absolutely. Um the number of um, clients, 18 and under, who've come to Pieta in the in the last seven months has doubled uh, from that time, that period uh, last year. So there is a significant increase, and uh, 
there's, uh, you know, positives to take out of that, even though it can be quite overwhelming even to, to contemplate it, uh, because the positive is that people are reaching out uh, more and more. You know, young people are confused around th- this period, uh, uh, you know, during COVID especially. But, uh, you know, their their um, the resiliences aren't as, uh, as, as good as they yeah, should be. Uh, and coping mechanisms perhaps are, uh, you know, uh, aren't there. So uh, people are, you know, f- finding it difficult and challenging, uh, especially in different social circumstances that we find ourselves in. Maybe, you know, um, obviously going back to school as well uh, is, is, is challenging in its own way, and especially for family and the stresses that all that brings. So, um, yeah, people are, um, you know, attending Pieta. We're glad to say that we have the facility, uh, you know, especially in Cork, uh, where people can attend our Shanakeel Centre in the city centre. And um, over 243 uh, 18 and under uh, clients came to our doors last year alone. Uh, so it's, it's, it's great to have that facility. And while there's a positive, as you said, that people are reaching out for help, the major issues that young people are coming to you with, it sounds like a lot of it is anxiety, the unknown future, because of what has happened over the last year. Well, the top four uh, triggers that uh, under 18s uh, are coming to us at PH with are depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, uh, loneliness and uh, family. Um, they're the, the top four. Uh, and you can just imagine, you know, the the uh, the, the challenges that uh, you know parents are faced with uh, when that's presented, uh, you know, by their young person in their lives. And um, you know, it's it's a great tribute to to guardians and parents who reach out and maybe, you know, notice a change in a person's behaviour because they might not notice it themselves living with it and um and act on it you know uh, t- take an action to perhaps e- e- confront it you know speak to the young person take the situation seriously um and and then know that there's somewhere to turn to uh, and there are great supports you know gp offer great supports uh, as a as a frontline Pieta are also a frontline service and people can come directly to the door of Pieta. Um, we don't need a hospital or a DP referral. So so by simply lifting a phone to ring 1800 247 247 or simply texting help, HDLP, to 51444 and that's really used by 18 and under quite a lot. Uh, people can access directly our service and speak or deal with the therapist directly right there and then. And the issues you mentioned there, I mean, one of the other issues I was reading was that I know everybody is trying to find the perfect body, uh, but many of us have been looking at ourselves online a lot over the last year with online meetings. And for younger people, they're chatting to their friends now more on, you know, FaceTime and those facilities from different social media outlets. So you're looking at your friends, you're also looking at yourself and there's comparisons and people feel that they don't have the perfect body or they're looking at other celebs on Instagram who feel that they have the perfect body and then you have the reality TV shows such as Love Island who give a, a, an image that everybody should look like that I mean is that something then that, that you're also that's leading maybe to issues of depression? Absolutely um, you know they're, they're all 
different circumstances people find themselves in and certainly body image uh, and issues are, are are coming to the fore in young people uh, who find it challenging to deal with uh, with their own um, circumstances so um you know we we uh, collaborate with a great organization in the country called bodywise uh, people that's a w y s e uh, and um you know we're we're uh, reaching out and saying, you know, that, that we can help people who are, um, you know, uh, concerned about uh, the, uh, the, their, their bodies and, and you know, stressed out over it and, uh, and maybe unhappy, feeling hopeless, perhaps. You know, there, there's lots of different, um, you know, maybe circumstances that lead a person to thinking like that. So we can't judge anybody. Uh, we 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 just simply, you know, try and um, go on a journey with somebody to to manage it, and uh, and hopefully, people will feel better as a result of speaking to somebody else about it, and um, you know, even speaking to a family friend or a, a, a family member or friend can can also be a huge uh, leap towards help and uh, and a relief uh, to 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 hear that somebody else is concerned, and uh, and and knowing where to turn to. That's so important and, and taking the action to do that. And while you mentioned that your doors are open at Pieta and people are using the service which is fantastic but how is funding for you guys at the moment? Uh, we're in a really uh, strong funding uh, situation as we find ourselves in now. Uh, John Paul, uh, this time last year we quite we weren't quite uh, in that situation. Uh, we were in a financial crisis actually around May of last year because we had cancelled Darkness into Light, our leading uh, fundraising event. Uh, this year, uh, well, the latter part of last year and this year, uh, but corporates, community, Darkness into Light has been a huge success. And uh, we're glad to say that we're coping really well with the increase in volume of numbers of people attending Pieta because we're reaching out and we're uh, hiring more people uh, to work in Pieta. And if people fancy uh, looking at the uh, the jobs spec and, and the recruitment, uh, they can go to www.pieta.ie, recruitment, and uh, maybe you have a career in Pieta that uh, you might like to, to join us anywhere in the country. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're fortunate to be in that position and the community have once again rallied and uh, we're so, so thankful for that because we are a community uh, organisation, truly. That's good to hear. Well, uh, Tom, uh, continue best of luck to you and your work there within Pieta and thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thanks, John Paul. Thank you. That's Tom McAvoy there from Painter House. And again, if you wish to avail of their services, you can do so free of charge. You can visit their website, painter.ie. You can free phone 1-800-247-247 or text the word HELP to 51444. Our lines are open. Bernie taking your comments on 1850 And still to come, we're going to be hearing why the Rural Animal Welfare Resources Group are asking people to neuter their cats. This is following a situation that they had to deal with in the McCroom area over the last number of months. Earlier on the show, we were mentioning of uh, comments that came from the Chief Medical Officer yesterday, that is Dr Tony Houlihan, and he said that Neffet have no objection to a large event such as Electric Picnic going ahead so long as only vaccinated people attend. Well, a few comments in on that, people who have mixed views. First of all, John and Cove uh, says, if that is the case and concerts should only open up for vaccinated people, there was over 40,000 
at the match in Dublin at the weekend, how many of them were not vaccinated? And Liz making the same point that uh, the other All-Irelands will be coming up soon uh, for football, for camogie. And what's going to happen with those? Are they going to insist that everybody attending those All-Ireland finals will be fully vaccinated or not? And Joe says, regarding what was said yesterday with Tony Houlihan, if they go down that route, which is understandable because of the public health advice says, according to Tom, and what has come out yesterday as well, if you're not fully vaccinated, it's not safe for you to attend large events such as Electric Picnic, another big concert that will happen over the next while. Uh, again, Tom making the point, well, if that is the case, uh, go ahead with those concerts. But how are they going to manage and control this on entry? It's going to be very hard for the staff uh, to turn people away and even buying tickets when many are purchased online. How do you purchase those and validate that that person is vaccinated? Well then they cannot separate sport and music. It will have to be the same for all and a lot of people agreeing with the Tom that they can't have different rules for uh, large uh, attendances going to a game in Dublin in Crow Park and then you can have different rules for someone uh, going to a, a concert in Leash and your views are welcome on that. This is uh, advice of course that has been prepared today is an FDR meeting later this afternoon and they're going to give the government a roadmap uh, on easing restrictions. It's next week then, uh, following a cabinet meeting that on Taoiseach Michal Martin will make, uh, will make an, another, you know, those announcements that they make to the nation, a state of a nation addresses. He's going to make one of those next week. It could be either Tuesday or Wednesday. And that will give us some sort of a roadmap anyhow on where we're going for the next number of months in this country but interesting the views there where people agree with what uh, Tony Hoolan is saying uh, they have to have some logistics in place when they talk about you can go to a concert if vaccinated but then are we going to be in a different situation for going to a game in Crow Park and how can one can go ahead and the other can't unless you're bringing in fully vaccinated people so uh, people asking questions about that this morning also we spoke earlier Thomas Gould from Sinn Féin who have launched a strategy into the gambling sector and why it needs further regulation a lot in that and on that situation regarding gambling he was mentioning the age and people can simply go online at any age and they have 72 hours before you register your age so you could be at any uh, stage in your life and going on gambling and uh, another uh, WhatsApper here is making a similar point about social media pages what about children as young as 11 on Facebook how can this be allowed to happen and that's a very good point a lot of people on those social media sites are younger uh, and they should not be on them it's I think it is still over 18 for all social media sites but they can put in a different date of birth and they just validate that date of birth I don't think they ask for any validation regarding a passport or uh, a driving licence or anything like that not that anybody under 18 would have a, a driving licence but any ID isn't required because if you do sign up to online banks they do validate your ID with uh, a driving licence or a passport and you'll have to scan that in and it could take a day before uh, they come back to you to say your account is now open that isn't the case as, as far as I'm aware still anyhow with Facebook you just put in your date of birth and if you make up a date of birth you can register but that is leading to problems then uh, regarding to schooling they can leave like a lot of people will say to us here when you were bullied years ago in school it stopped at the school gates whereas now it continues online but that uh, person on WhatsApp making a very interesting point that should stop it because uh, you shouldn't be online if you're under a certain age but they are and that needs to be looked at as well and staying with this situation of gambling Catherine 
uh, has uh, texted in uh, a lengthy text and she's just showing her own addiction that she had many years ago. Catherine says, I get addicted to slot machines. Now, this was a good few years ago. And I made money a few times and I always felt that I could make more money. So I went back again to see what could I win today or this week. But I was not so lucky and I kept going back and back thinking I would win more. and Today would be the day that I would win. And I had a feeling that, you know, one more uh, 10 cent, one more euro, one more two euro that I would win more on the slot machines. So I kept spending more and more money. Uh, but it became a circle that I just kept going around. Eventually, I realised I had a problem and I stopped. And in the end, I got a new job, which made me relocate from the city to a county town. And I was also living now in this county town, but this town had no casino type facilities. And that saved me. Even though I knew I had a problem, I kept doing it. And until there was nothing in front of me to gamble, at that stage, online was just growing. It wasn't big. I stopped. And even though I was on the edge of addiction, Catherine says, if I continued, I would have needed real help because I just thought I would keep winning and winning and winning. And I spent more and more money thinking one more go and I will win. But it never happens. Uh, and Catherine making the point that only for uh, while they're in this strategy, they're looking at, you know, getting rid of the, the temptation that is out there to go and gamble proving the point that when she left the city and moved to this county town that had no casinos, temptation was gone. And as Catherine mentioned, it was many years ago when this happened. So gambling on, online was not a thing then. Uh, but it proves that when it's not there in front of you, uh, you can stop. Otherwise, she would have had to go to a counsellor and uh, gone down that route. Uh, Catherine, thanks for sharing your experience on text. Or you can WhatsApp as well on 0862103103 or get in contact with us via the C103 app. Uh, Judy says, I feel the online situation does need to be regulated people can lie about their age like your earlier whatsapper so they do need to regulate the online situation and not uh, talk about it for another year says Judy while Marion says my partner gambled unknown to me for ages it was until I realised he spent 500 euros of our money saved that I knew something was wrong but I was lucky he told me and we sorted everything out now he got the help he needed but it's so easy to fall into this trap. My partner never gambled before, but it was due to temptation from online adverts as he worked from home. He tried one or two bets and then one or two online games and he won. But once he continued to play, the winning did not continue. Thankfully, we are in a better place now. But I can tell everybody out there it can happen to anyone, says Marion on WhatsApp. And interesting, Marion, that, you know, you're not too sure if your partner ever gambled before and you had any temptations in the past, but from working from home, and having the adverts coming up on different websites, that was the temptation. And you could say if you're in the office, would it be the same? But I suppose you have colleagues in the office and you might get distracted and talk to them where if you're at home and, you know, if you're the only person in the house or in that room, temptation can be flashing. And, and that is what they are speaking about in the strategy of banning those adverts. Now, more or less, the adverts will be banned uh, from the time outside the watershed. But that, yeah, that would include work time. So uh, that, that would make sense that if this was to happen, those 
those ads would not have appeared uh, on the website. So your partner, Marion, would not have seen those. It, you know, he, it could have saved him from going down that route. Thankfully, uh, you've come out the other side in a better place. And thanks for sharing your story. But yeah, it just shows how easy it can happen from, you know, it, it going from a workplace situation to working from home and the, the ads flash up on the side of your screen. And that's what they want. They want to stop those flashing ads. And Ross says that we were able to stop the cigarettes. That's the smoking ban. Yes, drinking and gambling does more damage to people, says Ross. Something will have to happen regarding that. We'll have to wait and see if a gambling regulator will be appointed before the end of the year. Thanks for your calls and comments on the issue of gambling. Scam calls. There's not a day that doesn't go by that we don't get a text or calls into our common line regarding scam calls that are doing the rounds. Uh, Mavis has been on to us. She wants to make people aware of scam calls concerning the PPS numbers. This is back again. This is the recorded message you get from the Department of Protection. It's supposed to be uh, the the Department of Protection. Obviously not them. Uh, And they warn you just to uh, put down their phones. Now they will ring again, Mavis says. uh, And because you answer the phone, they will ring and ring and ring. And the number always begins in Mavis' situation. Anyhow, the number begins with 0862, but it's a different number each time. Uh, Mavis, thank you for your text. And on those numbers, they obviously use various numbers and they use different numbers than what we spoke about. Uh, and we've spoken on this at length over the last two or three months. Uh, they can use a number that looks like your number and then the last few digits will change. Uh, but they do use various numbers. They spoof numbers. They do so much. They use numbers from various countries. So you think you're getting a call from London or uh, America or Denmark or wherever. And the best thing is just to hang up on them or what a lot of people now are telling us they're doing unless they have the number saved in their phone that the person's name comes up as a contact. Uh, they just ignore the call. And if it's someone that really wants them, they'll leave a voice message or their text and even when we were speaking to various uh, film organisations who were filming in Cork over the last while looking for extras they were saying because they had the problem of they were ringing people to say you've got the part but no one was answering the calls due to the fear of was a scam call and they ended up texting people so texting is a uh, it could become more popular due to this but then you have to be careful because there's false and scam text messages now as well coming through claiming to be courier companies and banks so you really have to be careful on the phones and on scam calls but uh, I would hope at this stage there's been such publicity on them that people have a fair idea of what a scam call is but the PPS that recorded message you get claiming to be from the, the Department of Social Protection uh, Mavis saying that is doing the rounds again today and it seems to be on Wednesdays whatever it is Wednesdays are the day when the calls claiming to be from revenue and the Department of Social Protection doing the rounds so take note of that if you get those calls today uh, they are scam calls the Amazon ones are still also doing the round so just ignore them is the best thing but you know they, as we spoke with John Kelly the sergeant from Formoy and our Garda file a few weeks ago they just try so many people if they catch five or six people on a day uh, they'll make money out of them and they will and, and no matter how many times we give the warnings here people still get caught so thank you Mavis for uh, highlighting that this morning be careful of those scam calls and uh, later it was earlier actually Julie in Charnival was on to us uh, yesterday and she was looking for details on if lectures were going to be held online this year for college or going to be held in the lecture hall and it was MTU which was formerly CIT uh, that her two boys were going to this year and Julie wasn't alone in that once we uh, read out Julie's comments from Charnival other people got in contact to say we're in the same situation as that family in Charnival we have children who are going back to college but we don't know do we need to rent a place for them or not 
and the cost involved in that. We did get a statement back from MTU and we'll bring that to you later in the show uh, to see if that provides any help or not for you, Julie, and others who find themselves in that situation. Our lines are open, 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. On the way, we're going to hear why the Rural Animal Welfare Resources Group, they're asking people to neuter their cats. This is following a situation they had to deal with recently in the McCroom area. C103 Jobs. And on our job spot for today, we have opportunities which include bar, waitstaff and a kitchen porter required for the Bantry Bay Email your details to bantrybaymanager at outlook.ie. The Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry have vacancies for accommodation manager, wedding and events manager, bar staff, a front office manager and chefs at all levels. You can email humanresources at celticross.com. And Longville House require waiting staff with bar experience and a breakfast cook. You can email your applications to info at longvillehouse.ie and you'll find these job opportunities and more. Just go now to c103.ie for its last job. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. The Rural Animal Welfare Resources Group, known as ROAR, who operate out of Bantry, they're appealing for people to neuter their cats. Jennifer Carl from ROAR. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Jennifer. Good morning, how are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. I mean, you guys had a very busy summer, particularly in June, and this was following calls you got from the McCroom area, and this really highlights why people need to neuter their carts. Just tell us what happened, first of all, and the calls you received regarding the situation in McCroom. 
Well, I mean, we work quite closely with our friends down in West Cork Animal Welfare Group, and it was actually they got the call. Um, so we kind of do more of the trap news return than they do, and they asked us kind of to help out with it. So it started off with one call to uh, one location, um, and it turned out there were over 40 adult cats and 30 kittens. And I think when, you know, obviously when the, the, the information started getting out, we got more calls from the McCroom area, and I think, we're not finished, but to date, I think there's been over 100 cats in that area that been at various locations. And you mentioned 40 cats, and was it 21 kittens, is it? 31. 31. And yeah. this is obviously from people had either, there were wild cats, or there were just cats in, in, that were not neutered, well, and they started mating. Do, do we know how all this speaking, came about? Um, yeah, well, technically speaking, in Ireland, there is no such thing as a wild cat. We don't have uh, an indigenous wild cat population. What you have is basically, they're, they're stray cats. So somewhere down the line, somewhere, a person didn't get a cat neutered. They moved away, left it behind. It got dumped. It wandered off. And it turns up on someone else's doorstep, you know, looking for food and, you know, a bit of support and whatever. And then people feel bad for this cat. They start feeding it. And then, you know, it either has kittens or if it's a boy cat, the girlfriend turns up, she brings the family. And then people end up with a lot of cats on their doorstep. And I mean, like, everybody wants to be nice and do the right thing and feed the stray cat which is you know it's, it's, it's a good thing it's in all of us but at the same time what the message we're trying to get people to understand is that's not enough you know if a stray cat turns up you need to get some help from somewhere get the cat neutered uh, because you're going to end up ringing us going I've got 40 cats here and I don't want them you know yeah so the situation and you, as you mentioned we all are have you know we all have a heart we're going to see a cat coming to our door hungry you put out something for the cat but that cat keeps coming back hangs around with other cats in the area that may not be neutered and this is what the situation ends up like. I mean, how, how do you deal with a situation like that then? Because first of all, you know, you're all volunteers and mainly yeah. based in the Bantry area. How did you try to sort this? Well, there's a couple of us that do the trapping, so we kind of organised that different ones would do different locations. Um, and it took, I mean, it, it took quite a while because when you have that many cats, they're not always reliable turning up. So you have to kind of basically, it's, it's like fishing, patience, lots of patience is required. And um, so we, I think it took us the bones of kind of six weeks to get the bulk of them done. And that was, some of us were going back and forth every day or every second day, sitting there waiting for the cats to start trapping them. Um, How do you attempt the cat, Jennifer? How do you, if the cats are out there just turning up by chance, how do you attempt the cat to come over well, to you? usually, Usually what happens is people get them into a routine because they are feeding them at a set time. So the idea is we try and turn up at the time that they're being fed at. If they're not fed at a specific time, then we try and encourage people to do that because then we get them into a routine. And to a degree, then they become a bit more dependable with their, you know, appearances. And were those cats in good condition? They weren't in bad condition. I mean, there was, you know, there was a lot of uh, flea dermatitis. There was a lot of balding. There were lice. There were worms. Uh, some of them did have kind of flus and things like that as well. So, I mean, generally speaking, the bulk of them were not in bad condition, but they did need some treatment. And then you, you caught the cats and you, do you take them back to Bantry? Yeah. Or, yeah. They, well, they, yeah, they go to whatever one of our local vets kind of we work with. Um, so usually they come to one of the, you know, either we work with a few different vets, they go to one of those vets to be neutered. Um, and once they're, they're kind of recovered and everything, then they go back. Uh, because yeah, the reason that it's tracking you to return is that the whole population of cats exists there for a reason. So there's a resource that's drawing them there. So either there's a food source, there's a shelter, something like that. So that's the reason they come there. If you remove the animals from the situation, what you're going to do is open up a space and you're going to get new ones moving in. So the idea is if you're new to the population that's there, 
the numbers become stable, they're also less of a hassle because they're usually they're not using kittens, there's not all this amazing behaviour going on. Um, and then they're healthier as well. So they tend to hold space and they reduce the likelihood of other cats moving into the area. So when you released, when you had the cats in the, in the vet, as you mentioned, in Bantry, what, where did they go back to, to McCroom in, in that area yeah, again? They go back, yeah, they go back to where they come from because that's their, that's their home. They know that space. It's, it's not fair to, I mean, it's not right and it's not fair to release them somewhere else because firstly, you're, I suppose, putting the problem on somebody else potentially. Yeah. Um, and secondly, again, if you put them somewhere else, the population that was there is going to regroup again. And would you ever have a situation, maybe this is more for the animal welfare uh, gang, but would you ever have a situation whereby then you would maybe ask somebody to adopt the cats or if anybody wanted to adopt the cats to go into a good home kind of thing? Yeah, it depends on the situation. I mean, some of these are what we would call kind of feral cats, so their behaviour would not be necessarily, you know, pet. They would be happy to come for food. They might talk to people, but they're not inclined to be picked up or handled and things like this. Um, So they wouldn't be suitable candidates and trying to home them as a house cat is going to stress them out and it's not fair on a person either to give them basically a small tiger in their house uh, so quite often they wouldn't need to go back to where they came from I mean uh, you know from time to time you come across you know friendly cats that have been dumped um, or you know kittens and things like that and where we can we would try and find homes for them And is the issue now McCroom is it resolved? Is, is there still an issue it's, there? It's it's just a couple of bits and pieces that still need to be done. There's a little bit on it ongoing, but like I say, the vast majority of that job is done now. But like at the same time, when the McCroom job was being done, we also had a, a bit of pieces going on. We had uh, I think Kekel, Bantry, uh, done Manway. There was Ballinine and Eskeen. I'm sure there was a couple of other locations as well being done. Um, and would you come across this must, Jennifer, whereby you would have a large amount of cats, oh, yeah. like 40, yeah? Yeah, 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 on a regular basis. It tends to be, um, I suppose, rural households because that's possibly the only place in the area that they're being fed and there's a lot of spaces but not necessarily I think just if it, if it happens in a more built up area more people would notice and all of this and what you're saying there it does highlight the reasons why people need to neuter their cats and again this is something you guys do every year and we always get calls about when this is going to happen and this is your neutering service for you, you, you put a call out basically for unneutered cat owners and you call it Tackler for a Tenor yeah, this year we're doing tackles for a tenor. So it's running from the 6th of September till the 10th of September. And the idea is basically you uh, ring the participating vets. So the participating vets this year are Kathleen Howerhins and Skibbereen. And they are 028-22211. Um, and the veterinary clinic in Bantry. And they are 027-53639. Now, uh, there are still spaces available. Um, obviously, spaces are limited because there's only so many cats can be done in a week. Um, basically, uh, the cat can be neutered for 10 euros. The only stipulation with the voucher scheme is if they are ear tips, so they're marked as neutered, um, in case they ever wander off or get lost. Um, so at least that if they turn up anywhere else and somebody rings any trap neutering group, they go out to trap the cat. They know visually that the cat is neutered by looking at it. So it saves the cat the hassle of having to be potentially brought into a vet's office, sedated, and have an unnecessary surgery. And while you're providing this fantastic service and, you know, you're going from Bantry to McCroom and other areas uh, dealing with the cats in the situation you described there, how is your funding going for this year? Because I mean, you need funding to keep a service like this running as well. Yeah, I mean, we do get a grant from the Department of Agriculture every year. We're very thankful to them for that. We do a bit of fundraising and we have a charity shop in Bantry as well. That I suppose most of our fundraising comes from. Um, we did get hit, obviously, like every charity in the country, we got hit kind of hard during the lockdown because we couldn't open the charity shop. 
Um, so we're open again now. We're back in business. So if anybody wants to pop in, they are more than welcome. Okay, exactly. And again, the uh, tacklet for a tenor, uh, that is happening from the 6th to the 10th of September, yeah? It is, yeah, yeah. And like I say, there's there's no kind of stipulation. Anybody can book a cat in. The only requirement is the cat has to be ear-tipped, so it's identifiable as neutered. And um, there's no limit as to how many people can book how many cats in. The spaces are just down to how many spaces the actual vets have left. I would suggest if anybody's interested, the sooner the better they book them in because this is going to, you know, obviously fill up quickly. Um, and I would imagine that it'll be next year before we'll do the, the next one again. Um, and I mean, in, as well as that, um, if anybody has um, a cat problem, um, as in, you know, there's a group of cats and all of that, and they need help getting them trapped and needing them returned, the, I suppose the best thing to do would be drop us uh, a message on our Facebook page, or they can email us at info at roar, um, .ie, and, you know, we'll get back to them as soon as we can. I mean, obviously, do keep in mind that we are all volunteers. You know, we all have work lives and everything else, so we're fitting this all in around that. Um, so, you know, we might get to everybody straight away, but just do be patient with us. Very good, Jennifer. Well, well done to you and all your volunteers there with Roar and the work you do right across the uh, West and Mid Cork areas. And well done on, on what you've done there in McCroom. That was a big challenge for you guys, uh, but not unusual, it would seem, anyhow, in other areas, unfortunately. But for the moment, uh, Jennifer, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you very Take much. Take care. That is. Come on. Bye bye. Uh, that is Jennifer Carroll there uh, from the Rural Animal Welfare Resources Group, the known as Roar. They operate out of Bantry and just showing uh, the reasons why people need to get their cats neutered following that situation that got a lot of uh, cats in and around one area of McCroom Town, leading to it getting out of control. And now uh, that service they're providing uh, to hopefully tackle that issue whereby it won't be as. A, well, it has happened in other areas, as she mentioned there, but hopefully it won't be as prominent as there was there in McCroom. You can tackle it for a tenner and you can contact Roar on their Facebook page to get more details. That runs from the 6th to the 10th of September in Skibbereen and in Bantry. Our lines are open 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Not too sure if anybody can help out Frank who was in Bantier this morning. We mentioned gambling there and some would say the lotto is gambling but anyhow Frank uh, in Bantier he does the lotto online. He does it on Saturdays and before he used to get an email from the lotto at 8 o'clock and this will be telling him the results and they would say please check your numbers and about an hour after that he would get an email if he was a winner but for the past three weeks he's not getting any email and he's wondering had they stopped sending emails so anybody that does the lotto online if you're lucky enough to have won anything uh, have you received an email from the lotto saying you've had a win? Or have they stopped that service? Frank in Bantier would like to know others' views if they play the lotto online. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Cork City with the Lee flowing through the centre as a result has many bridges. But are we aware of the history behind these bridges? Well, Councillor Kieran McCarthy, who was a local historian, joins me on this. Good morning to you, Kieran. Morning, how are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. I know you have launched this audio trail, which I spent nearly the whole yesterday afternoon, even when I went home, listening to the history of the bridges, because I know it's aimed at those who are walking around the city, but it is great as well, if you've a fair idea where they are, to get the history behind our city centre. Just tell us, first of all, this audio trail, where it came from and why it came about. Um, I suppose this came about because I suppose I can't give my walking tours at the moment of the city because of social distancing, and I usually get large numbers on my tours. So I had to come up with something else. Uh, and Metal Mara, who run the fantastic Cork, Har- Cork Harbour Festival, came to me going, going, well, would you be interested in running an audio trail on, on the on the history of the bridges of the city? Um, 
And then as well as that, there have been other people like Cork Healthy Cities and Cork Sports Partnership, and there was a, a constituent of mine, Alan Patrick, who were kind of pushing to do something on, on the bridges of Cork. And of course, there there have been books written on the history of the bridges as well by Antoine O'Callaghan. But it was kind of my first time rolling in and having a look at the history of the bridges and seeing could I actually build a trail on them. Yeah, and how, we have a lot of bridges, obviously, in Cork. How many do we have in total? Um, within the city centre island, I counted 32. Uh, no, that's, thir- that's 32, like, between the North Channel and the mm-hmm. South Channel. And uh, many of us, I mean, we walk over these bridges if you're in the city centre. What you will do it daily, if you're visiting the city centre, uh, people will have, uh, I'm sure, have walked over many of these bridges and the areas around them. And I was listening to some of the audio yesterday and, for example, Parliament Bridge was one of those. And like I never, never, never knew it was called Red Abbey Bridge, which would be, you know, near enough to where uh, Parliament Bridge is. And to this day, it's still called Parliament Bridge. And that is after Westminster. So, it's you know, small things like that will fascinate a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, and actually Parliament Bridge is one of my favourite bridges in the city. The fact that it's kind of unchanged since 1806 I think is incredible. Uh, and we have a lot of bridges like that's just unchanged and some bridges have gone through maybe four or five changes. Like Northgate Bridge has gone at least through five changes. St. Patrick's Bridge, three changes. Southgate Bridge, four changes. Uh, and it's not just the history of the bridges, but it's actually the story around the bridges and what you can see when you're standing on the bridges and why the bridge is linked from from one side of a river channel to another. And uh, the local history is really fab and quirky. It is. And what I found fascinating as well was St. Patrick's Bridge. Everybody knows that bridge. Uh, and, you know, you, you just presume it was always there. I didn't realise that it was built initially to accommodate what then was the growing population in the northeastern suburbs. I presume that would be up around St. Luke's and those areas. Um, yeah, what we know is McCurtain Street was beginning to grow in terms of population in particular. When you look at old maps of like um, 1760s, 1770s maps, you, you can see that there, there are keys being built on what's now St. Patrick's Key, and there's an early there's an early form of McCurtain Street. And then you can actually see as well, actually in 1901, there's a windmill at the top of Saint, what's now St. Patrick's Hill. So actually my gosh is that St. Patrick's Hill is so steep because it was a direct route to the windmill that was actually at the top of the hill. And that's my gut. Um, and what was that windmill used for at the time? Uh, uh, just for, for flower making. Yeah. We, we, we know as well there was another windmill on the south side. Windmill Road, Is it was another place. There's an, the, the old um, convent that actually exists on Windmill Road, that, that former Rune convent. Um, we've got. We actually have an image of the one in Windmill Road, a sketch of it, but not the one on the top of Saint Patrick too. Um, yeah. So, so again, very rich history. Like what, what, uh, every bridge is a knock-on effect on the development of an area. So Saint Patrick's Bridge has a knock-on effect on on evolving what's known the current streets and eventually Montanati and St. Luke's and so on. Yeah, it shows how much the city has grown over the last 100 to 200 years now, you know, mm. going out beyond Tivoli, Silver Springs, Mayfield into Glanmire, on that side yeah. of it only. And for, for those, I mean, at the moment, you we have a situation whereby it's mainly staycations are happening in this country. It's going to be really good for people who are into history or even just locals in Cork who might not be aware of what we're talking about here this morning regarding St. Patrick's Bridge the reason it was built uh, to walk around and get the real history of their city I mean all you need is a smartphone and headphones for this if one is to go along and learn about the city's bridges how long does the walk take? Um, I think it's just over the two hour mark um, how's that being said I, I'm tall and I've got long legs so it couldn't maybe take 
people longer. Um, but I, I got a message from somebody yesterday, and they said it isn't kind of two hours and a quarter. And so you can just kind of stroll around and stop at a restaurant or a cafe. And, uh, and actually, every bridge has its own kind of unique history. So you're not kind of dealing with the same history at every bridge either. So the, the, and most of the pieces are about between three and four minutes long, and then you kind of move on again to the next bridge. Um, and especially in weather like, like today and what's planned for the next week, it's, it, it's ideal. Um, so it's on my it's on my website carcheritage.ie under history trails and find the audio trail there. So it's it's a completely new departure for me. I'm used to having people in front of me, but in these COVID times, it's it seems that the audio trail seems to be popular. I think already maybe 450 people we know of have clicked on the audio trail anyway on, on my website using the analytics. So it, it, it there there seems to be. Um, a grow for it or, or, or a thirst to get out and about kind of and explore the city. I think there is and I think it will grow from the publicity because you don't have to be, it isn't something that runs all together. You can choose your bridge as well so you can stop as you say if you want to have a coffee or continue it on another day. You, you can do that. And yeah. mentioning the way it has gone now online and we'll talk more about the website in a while but uh, do you miss the fact that you know, you're know you not able to get in front of people and people can ask you questions uh, about yeah. the various <laughs> The various oh, I, mean, I, I missed it. I missed it a lot. I mean, last last week now was my second Heritage Week without my walking tours. But I suppose the issue that I have is that such is the interest in local history in, in Cork City during Heritage Week, you could have a hundred people in front of you, standing in front of you. So if you try to socially distance a hundred people, it's, it's impossible. Um, well, I mean that I have about twenty five different walking tours of the city, and especially of some of the suburbs, and they're always kind of very popular. Cork people have an interest in their in their heritage DNA and the local history and they like kind of getting out in the boat and telling their story um, and so that the COVID has led to issues for myself um, and I mean some people have said look maybe Kieran you could use Eventbrite and get people booking in but, but yeah you could have 10 people then physically on the tour and 90 people ringing you going have you got a space on the tour yeah I could just get out of hand and yeah. I mean as you say this is a new departure for you going into these audio trails but I think it's something that maybe Cork should do I mean other cities do it and do it well and if it is going working as you say there is an uptake in it would you continue more and more areas of the city um, yeah, definitely. We actually started with actually one in the marina in early June for mm. the Cork Harbour Festival. So this is, the Bridges one is actually our second one. So we've a uh, we've an open mind. I think we might do something more with the River Lee Valley itself. Um, and I know I'm kind of getting requests maybe from organisations in the city. Um, uh, I'd love to do some work with Elizabeth Fork and developing a medieval trail through from the fort through South Main Street and North Main Street and into Shandon. Could do one in Shandon. I mean the. The list is endless. Um, yeah, where do you stop? I mean, you go from the city to county areas, you, you could continue on. I mean, it's such a, a vast city and county. There's a lot of history there uh, for many areas yeah. of history, apart from what, you know, a bridge was named and how it was formed to uh, what happened over the years when Ireland was breaking away from independence in, in other parts of the county. But you mentioned the yeah. marina there. I listened to that as well yesterday. That That, that, that is uh, fascinating to see how that has changed over the years. I mean, I always feel, and I've had this conversation with very, uh, previous Lord Mayors on the show, uh, that our, our harbour, our, our city harbour isn't used enough but then you know maybe we don't have the population we didn't have the money over the years and maybe now it's when we're investing in it but when you look at cities like Sydney who have a natural harbour and how they have used their natural harbour there is a future in Cork for a harbour like in other cities and the museum maybe for how it was could, could be the centre of that yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I have a few books on, on that I've written on Cork Harbour that I that I purposely written for that purpose. So we we've had discussions in the council chamber on the future of tourism for Cork City and Cork City and the harbour and the 
maybe the inner harbour area like the marina and further down towards um, Passage and so on. Um, but I mean, I have to. Say, I was down on Spike Island last last Thursday, and I took the tour there, and it's absolutely fantastic. And it, there's so much investment gone in, and there are still empty ruined buildings on Spike Island that need investment. I think the old internment block block from 1921, if that was reinvested in and kind of done up, and I think there's this, there's uh, another space as well from the 19th century on the island if that was invested in. I think maybe Cork City might 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 struggle in building a museum to to better Spike Islands. Um, but I know in the council chamber I've been very active at the Adlams buildings and South Dock to make a fantastic museum, come art gallery, come a whole series of different mixes. Um, yeah, I'm always looking at that building and thinking, is that where the event centre should have been located rather than where where it's planned to go? Yeah, I suppose. That, I was in the midst of that debate in the event centre and I would have liked to down the docks but at this moment in time we're just trying to fight to make sure the event centre is <laughs> yeah. being built in the city no mind having a choice of location um, but maybe there's more to play in that story yet. Well uh, on your heritage and those audio trails if people want to learn more about Cork City and the history behind the bridges and the marina they can go on to corkheritage.ie and I see a lot of people on text asking it's fantastic it's on the website is there any plans by the City Council or any of the tourism boards to, to take what you've done there on your website uh, put it into an app uh, like you see in other countries and have an app available where people can download the app click on uh, the various bridges and run it that way rather than a website is that for you Future plans by anybody in City Council? Um, Cork City Council is kind of looking at is looking at creating a new tourism strategy at the moment, but it's draft development plan. Because I was I was talking to the consultant last week and kind of sharing some ideas just on what you proposed in terms of an app and and showcasing more of Cork Harbour and even the River Lee Valley as well. It's just absolutely spectacular. No mind getting lost in Mid County Cork. I got lost yesterday around Inchigeel and Ballingiri, and there's so much history there in, in that part of the county. So I mean I. The city is open to suggestions, um, but it, 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 it needs help. I mean, at this moment in time, probably Cork City Council is, is focusing on Elizabeth Fort and trying to get that fort ahead. And they had a really successful run recently with the Everyman Palace and putting on shows, open to open air shows there. So no, I mean, we need, we need to kind of keep keep ticking away and kind of building tours. I would have a positive relationship with the the tourism strategy team in Cork City Council, and in fairness, they are they are responding and they and they were hopeful to do more with the Bridges of Cork audio trail as well um. Well hopefully as I said yesterday I listened to a lot of it here in the office and I found it really interesting and you know, hopefully other people will get to listen and walk around their city and learn about the past but it's very well put together so well done to you uh, on that Kieran. and hopefully more of those will follow in the uh, years ahead for the moment thanks for joining us this morning Thanks a million. And again, people can check it out, corkheritage.ie. If you want to learn more about Cork City and the history behind the marina and the Bridges area, it is just a fascinating listen. Uh, And even if you simply can't get to the city centre but know the areas, just to hear the history behind them is really interesting indeed. Again, corkheritage.ie. And our thanks to historian and Cork City councillor Kieran McCarthy for joining us on the programme this morning. 1850-333-103. Our lines open. And you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. It's Cork today. 
today we're with you until one JP in for Patricia Patricia back with you on the show tomorrow and Peter Doddall is along after 12.30 your garden inquiries are welcome for Peter on 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 a lot of calls and comments in on the various issues we've been discussing this morning but one uh, that we didn't discuss is to do with jails and Liam wants to know what people's views are on this Liam says I don't agree with the idea that Irish prisoners who were in jail in other countries should be brought home if they did a crime elsewhere then pay for the crime in that country our jails are full as it is and will it be us again the taxpayers responsible for transporting these criminals from whatever country they are in back to their home country and back to a jail here it will then increase our jail capacity and again taxpayers paying out for someone else's crime Uh, well Liam wants to know what other people make of this story this is a story uh, that is in the papers today. It's urgent calls have been made for more prisoners who were banged up abroad, as they put it in many of the papers, uh, to be allowed to return home to serve the rest of their jail times here. It's the Irish Council for Prisoners Overseas. They work with 1,100 inmates in 30 countries and they have not been able to see their families during the pandemic and they say it's causing these people hardship for a lot of the inmates. So the majority of prisoners the support group helps they're in the UK but there's also a number of them in the US in Australia and across countries in Europe and the organisation coordinator who was Brian Hanley he says some Irish citizens are anxious to return to Ireland to be close to their family and also so their family could visit them while they're in prison but Liam doesn't agree with this he feels it will be the taxpayer again who will be forking out the money to transport these criminals Liam says that are in jail in other countries back to Ireland and then our capacities in jails we are nearly full so are we going to be costing more on the justice system and then again it's back to the taxpayer to fund this Liam says if they did the crime in another country well then stay in that country or uh, would you favour what the Irish Council for Prisoners Overseas are saying they feel that the inmates now because they are in in different countries and because their family can visit them, uh, they're feeling hard done by and they feel that they should be allowed to return to Ireland so their families can visit them and they feel closer to their families. Your views are welcome. Liam is making that point. You can text or WhatsApp 86 or call 1850-333-103. A text already in from Jamie who says, I wonder about those people so worried about the crime they committed that they are worried about being away from home. Maybe if they did not commit a crime they wouldn't be in that situation. What do they make of those uh, who they committed the crime against? Uh, says Jamie on text or WhatsApp 86 Six two one zero three one zero three. Uh, your views, as Liam says, is welcome on that. And earlier, Frank and Bantier was on to Bernie, and this was to do with the lotto. He does the lotto online. He does it every Saturday, and he used to get an email uh, from the lotto. And if, if he had a win on the lotto, it would email him notifying him that he had a win. But for the past three weeks, he has not got any email uh, to say the numbers are in for the lotto or that he has had a win. And he's asking, had they stopped sending the emails? Well, we got a lot of text back on. This uh, one from Tony, who says, if that man has a Gmail account, ch- ch- tell him to check his. Pro-
promotions tabs or social tabs because mine I've noticed in the last two months has ended up there uh, similar if he's a Hotmail account there's now different tabs and it may have ended up in those locations and not in the inbox so uh, Frank and Bantier not too sure what email account you were using uh, but from Tony and so many others they've noticed the lotto and others stuff and we even had the Covid search going into these tabs are ending up in your promotions or social tabs so uh, take a look at that and maybe the uh, lotto is in there the lucky numbers are indeed maybe your winnings are within your promotions or social tabs Frank and Bantier and Maura also making the point that could be gone into a spam it could indeed uh, thank you for your texts on 0862103103 and we spoke with Roar who operates out of Bantry and the situation they had to deal with with a number of cats who were unneutered roaming around the McCroom town area uh, this is Roar the Rural Animal Welfare Resources Group and uh, a lot of people asking first of all Ian and Watergrass because Roar are providing uh, a service and this is going ahead in September whereby you can neuter your cats for 10 euros but Ian is in Watergrass Hill and he's wondering is there any other areas in Cork where cats are being neutered at the moment if anybody knows a service like Roar is operating out of Skibbereen and Bantry if there's a service elsewhere in the Cork area let us know for Ian in Watergrass Hill uh, but Caroline says on the issue of the cats they need some kind of government initiative here to neuter cats for free throughout the year I have recently had to neuter six stray cats the vet only gave me about 15 euro off the whole cost at 55 euro to neuter a male and 65 euro to neuter a female it cost me over 300 euro in total no wonder people don't neuter cats says Caroline thank you Caroline for your text and yeah it's a high cost when you come across a number of cats like you have six and it costing you over 300 euros to do that thanks Caroline for your WhatsApp on 0862103103 what also on WhatsApp person saying most of those charities don't actually pay for the neutering they help you catch the wild cats and then you can run or you can help they will help you run a fundraiser to pay for the neutering but out straight they don't pay for it they help you to pay for a fundraiser to go along and neuter the cats I contacted the ISPCA regarding cats that we had and they just recommended another charity and this was the Community Cats Network which just helps you catch them and then you run a fundraiser to pay for the neutering but uh, as something similar to what Caroline was saying something needs to be put in place now if the situation is getting out of control like we've heard there from McCroom the government needs some type of initiative and it should be not left to local charities and volunteers to organise neutering for cats while Jessica says I told agree uh, with your caller earlier this was Jennifer Carl from Roar uh, yes uh, people do need to neuter their cats but I also feel that it is responsibility of the Department of Agriculture to get involved here so many farm animals and uh, so many farmers have cats running around their farms they stray off and where do they go maybe they go into the local town so I feel it's everybody's responsibility to get involved and use some kind of initiative so cats can be neutered that's the big thing that's coming out here from all the comments is that the country that Ireland needs some something in place as way by way of an initiative so that people can go along and get cat neuters neutered for free rather than bringing a cat to a vet asking the vet to neuter the cat and then like Caroline uh, who had six of them six stray cats cost her over 300 euros if there was some initiative that you could go somewhere and maybe some government agency 
uh, would have uh, some office and had the facility and I think I don't know if they would or not but where they could open up that facility to neuter cats uh, for free so then it would reduce the risk of what happened in McCroom the story Jennifer told us there in the last hour uh, your views are welcome 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and further to what we were discussing with uh, Roar they have a collection in Bantry this Friday uh, so if you're in and around Bantry Town on Friday Roar have a collection in Bantry on Friday uh, raising fundraising for their needs there as you would have heard in the last hour now yesterday Jennifer in Charnival and indeed a lot of other parents were on to us and this was regarding uh, students who were returning back to college for the new season new semester ahead and many uh, in the far outer areas of Cork many families were in touch yesterday afternoon asking the same question as Julie in Charnival what is happening with regards to lectures are they going to be online or within the halls in the colleges and the reason people are asking is due to the fact that as the students get ready to go back to college by now and some might maybe still looking but by now you'd have your rental accommodation sorted and the cost of rent has gone so high and the demand has gone so high and yet the supply is low people are still kind of holding off to know will they be going back into the college full time or if it's only lectures online for a few days a week and lectures in a hall for another few days a week could they possibly commute without forking out huge amounts of money for accommodation in the city well it was MTU is where we got the majority of calls for yesterday. This is CIT. It's the Munster Technology University now, but uh, it was formerly known as CIT. Uh, the campus still in Bishopstown. And we did contact them yesterday to see what is going to happen. And this is the response we got. It's not really going to help a lot of people, but I'll give you the response they gave us anyway. Uh, MTU, well, they say they are endeavouring to ensure uh, that all students will have an on-campus experience through semester one. But their plans are obviously all in line with the prevailing public health advice and the health and safety of our entire community remains their highest priority. Well developed and tested protocols are in place in all parts of the campus and the national vaccination programme is very advanced and they are all very familiar with the COVID-19 hygiene requirements. There are two key factors in planning, they say, for this semester. The first is the physical distancing requirement which dictates capacity, especially in our lecture halls and the second is the likelihood that we will have COVID-19 on the campus. To date, we are not aware of any COVID-19 transmission related on campus activity, but we have contingency plans in place to respond to changes in the former. And we have an experienced sickness management unit in case there may be a situation that they have to manage COVID-19 amongst our student community. So, how much remote learning in the college is planned to give students this semester at the moment at the Technology University they say it goes back to their COVID response which is planning to adopt a number of approaches as required to working, teaching and learning from September but again all the guidance is based upon the updated public health advice and they are aiming to adopt a similar approach as they did for the last year for semester one but the expectation is that more students will be able to attend campus and what is their plans then for lectures? Well uh, and I put the question 
question to them will it be capped to a certain number and they go back to what I mentioned earlier about you know the public health advice and it will really depend on the capacity and what the physical distancing requirement will be that will dictate on how many they can have within the lecture halls and again they go back to say that their COVID operations team is currently planning for various scenarios all subject to public health advice measurements and measures are also being adapted with regard to the physical infrastructure to enable and provide maximum on-site attendance so while they are looking at having students back on campus and experiencing on campus within MTU a lot of it was basically up to what advice comes from the public health departments and the Department of Health regarding how many they can have in a lecture hall the distance capacities and where we stand in September when it comes to COVID-19 I suppose as Nefesh meet this afternoon and they feed back advice to the government and the government didn't have a plan on you know, the reopening of various parts of society that may still be closed and issues like this that they will have a better understanding on where they are in a few weeks time but then that doesn't really help those who are looking now out the window to see if they will be returning to college and if they are going to be there five days a week that they need accommodation they simply commuting isn't an option it's too far they simply need to live in the city and do they now go and look for accommodation and pay high rents whereby they could be paying high rents and only going into the college two days a week and in that situation they could commute for two days if they're going to be online for three Uh, but no clear indication as yet all we know is that they're hoping uh, to have students on campus this season or this semester and while they are trying their utmost to do that they're still really waiting on public health advice which I feel will be coming over the next week or two but again easy to say that when you're looking for accommodation or if you're looking seeing accommodation you're wondering will I book this accommodation will I take this house will I pay the massive rent which could be 500 euros for a room or do I just take a gamble and not get accommodation in the city but then you could end up Maybe not in the first semester, but in the second semester being in college every single day. Uh, And is there going to be availability then at around Christmas time or after Christmas for housing for students in the area? So it is a complicated situation to be in. And I totally agree and totally understand while so many parents are asking us what is going to happen because they've contacted their various colleges and they haven't got a clear answer and that is what MTU have said to us you can understand what, why they're saying they must wait for public health advice because as soon as they get a clarity from the Department of Health and NEFIT and the government then they will be able to say okay we can have X amount in a lecture hall that means we can bring so many students back but until they get clarity which they have not got clarity on then they can't do that so they're as much as the parents are up, up in a heap over accommodation the colleges are up in a heap over how many can we get into a lecture hall how many are we allowed have in sight and they have to wait for advice from the public health department so uh, yeah, I can, again I can see where the colleges are coming from I can see where the parents are coming from but both answers don't help the people in the situation going back to college uh, if we get an update from any college on that and we have asked uh, the representatives who send on the information from him to you if they hear of anything to let us know and they will do that uh, but if you're in that situation share your story because so many others are in that situation you just don't know what to do I mean did, again if you book a house now and you take a house are you paying high rent for a year and no need for it and then if you don't take the house 
Are you going to be wrecked from travelling up and down from far out of areas of Cork to the city that could hamper your education within third level? And you could then miss out on experiencing life within on, on campus in college for third level. Anyhow, your views are welcome. 1850 333103. Text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do. Kildare Community next driving bingo. That is going to be head on this coming Friday at 8 o'clock in the Creamer Yard in Kildare. Home bingo books are now on sale and they're on sale in the usual local outlets in Kildare. Also on sale in Mitchellstown in Thornhills, Opticians and Myers Maxall. And the Animal Memorial Road Run to Gugon Barran. That's going ahead next Sunday. They depart Tesco Car Park in Ballincollig at 11.30am. Mass in Gugon is at 1.30pm. There's an entry fee of 10 euros and picnic seven prize giveaways afterwards. And Notnagree Community Development Group, they will present a drive-in bingo. That's going ahead on this Sunday at 1 o'clock in Knocknagree Village. Adult and children books are available there in Knocknagree. And in a Shannon Steam and Vintage Rally, they will hold a tractor and car run. That's going ahead this Sunday, starting at 12 noon. The run will start from the Rally Field entrance. There's a post the run. There will be an old-time thrashing demonstration, plus a spin-the-wheel in the field. And the run and the field activities, they're all in aid of the Irish Cancer Society. And on Liam's point earlier regarding the jails and people who are in jail elsewhere in other parts of Europe or in Australia or in America and now there's a point being made for them to return back to Ireland and it's the Irish Council for Prisoners Overseas. They work with over 1,000 inmates and they're looking for these prisoners to come back to Ireland because they feel during the pandemic they can't see their family. It's causing them hardship while they remain in jail in other the country's Liam was making the point that it was going to cost the taxpayer more for bringing these criminals back to Ireland our jails are full as it is and are we again going to pay for everything uh, if someone does a crime in another country they should pay for that crime I can tell you Liam was was asking us to see what others would think of this and a lot of people agree with you Liam uh, just to sum up a number of texts in and calls Margaret agreeing with Liam I totally what I feel for those criminals and maybe they are turning a corner in their lives I do agree with Liam if they are being brought back to Ireland who's paying for this again it'll be the Department of Justice forking out the money and it'll be us the taxpayers uh, paying for these people to come back to Ireland and where will they go if our jails are nearly at full capacity as they are always telling us as Margaret uh, while Joe Abandon agrees with Liam I feel uh, that we're paying enough in this country as taxpayers for everything if someone can carry out a crime and then they are in jail in another country well, if they come back to Ireland, can they not carry out that crime again in Ireland? I think keep them where they are. Uh, don't bring them back to Ireland, says Joe. While Elizabeth agreeing with Liam as well, her point is very similar to uh, Joe's. While Carol uh, says, I agree with Liam. I-, I can see the hardship point of view from the family side, not the criminal side, the person in jail, but the family may be wishing to visit their loved one. After all, no matter what someone has done, they're still their flesh and blood and they will see the good in that person. Uh, while Jessica says, I agree with Liam Bush in saying that if there is somebody who has committed a 
a crime I wonder did they think before they committed this crime and now they're thinking of being close to their family you can't do crime and think you can get away with it keep them where they are I do understand the situation but they need to carry out their time in the country they committed the crime says Jessica on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and regarding to neutering of cat tests says hi JP neutering is the best thing for cats but you have people with cats and they can have three or four litters of kittens and these all stray around and then you end up with 100 of strays and if everyone neutered their cats well this would be great but they don't but that's what happens says Tess on WhatsApp to 0862103103 you're, you're totally right Tess because that's what happened in McCroom uh, whereby there was uh, one or two or three or four cats uh, running around and it became a situation whereby you had uh, 40 uh, adult cats and 31 kittens and it can happen very very fast and on the issue of scam calls we spoke about well we're speaking about these for the last year uh, if not more in the last number of months as the scam calls have increased and this morning Mavis was telling us about the scam call going around for the social protection or claiming to be from social protection and we had calls in from people who were saying they were getting calls claiming to be from revenue and I figured out it seems to be on a Wednesday the majority of scam calls that people receive on a Wednesday from a wearing anyway are, are pretending to be from the Department of Social Protection and from Revenue but on this a texter here is saying Hi John Paul is there anything the phone companies can do to stop all those scam calls I have got about three already this morning and I'm with air on my landline well we did speak to the companies at the start when all this was happening and what they were doing was blocking the calls coming in and that worked for a while until whoever is making these scam calls they changed the numbers and then they began number spoofing which meant they were using somebody else's phone number to ring you so it became impossible for phone companies to start blocking numbers because once they blocked numbers another number would come up with a digit changed and then they started number spoofing which meant you were blocking a genuine person's numbers they were using their number Uh, so that became impossible so that was a route they just could not keep up with and now I know that they've been working and the Gardaí have been working with companies and are monitoring the situation as well but they've done everything they could regarding blocking them now it seems it's basically going to have to target who is making these scam calls but the, the problem there is the majority of these calls are being made from uh, outside of Ireland and outside of Europe and we're not the only country where scam calls are happening I got a call last week here to the station from a person who was telling me that he got a text in and the text uh, of the call in sorry and the call was claiming uh, that he had not paid his uh, phone bill with British Telecom uh, but he said he's not first of all British Telecom I don't think they're here anymore they were for a while as a BT Ireland I think they've left the market now and he certainly doesn't have an account with British Telecom but then the same number rang back about two minutes later claiming to be from air and was telling him there was a problem with his broadband that scam that was around maybe over a year ago that's back as well so be careful of that and it was unique the fact that the calls to the UK are claiming they're from BT and then not sure was it a mix up in the line or was it just a fluke that they rang him back within a few minutes and it was an air problem so first of all it was BT and then it was air and he felt that they just were targeting somebody in the UK and they ended up targeting him by accident when they were on about British Telecom so we're not the only country getting these scam calls but at the same time I know they are doing their best and what we say to everybody is just hang up on them the Gardaí advise the same don't engage certainly don't press 1, 2 or whatever, whatever option they tell you to press because that would lead to you having a really high fumble you'll see your bill increasing your credit decreasing so don't press any buttons just hang up but they are very very annoying and they are uh, on the increase and today again 
I, I mean, we've got a number and a number of callers asking us, can anything be done? But I knew, I know, Gareth, you're working on this, and I know phone companies are working on this. But trying to block them is just becoming a nightmare for them. So, uh, hang up. That's the best thing we can advise at the moment, and we'll keep you up to date on what has been done regarding those scam calls. Uh, Peter Toddall, he joins us next. We're going to go gardening. Your gardening queries are welcome. A uh, number of them in already. We'll get to those with Peter next. And if you want to, for the last few of them that are coming in, you can text 0862103103. We'll be going gardening with Peter Dodal next. But the Premier League, it's live and it's back this Saturday on C103.ie with Trevor Welch, powered by Talk Sport. We'll bring you live coverage of Manchester City taking on Arsenal at 12.30, West Ham and Crystal Palace at 3 and Liverpool take on Chelsea at 5.30. The Premier League live online with now. Stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership and listen Saturdays on C103 or go to c103.ie and the C103 app. Want to know what's happening in Cork? You're in the right place. This is Cork Today on C103. I'm going back to college. Mary is in Clonakilty and she has a child returning to college this year. She wants to know is there a new law that a landlord can only demand a deposit and a month rent in advance as they were asking for three months in advance. Usually it's just you pay your rent up front for the first month and a deposit along with that. I haven't heard about anybody asking for three months in advance and usually it is what you said first. Um, I will be checking that out and we'll check with Sinister's information because we spoke about that with them a few weeks ago so we'll double check that for you but usually Mary and I'm sure others would agree you just pay your first month's rent and your deposit uh, three months is, is strange considering what's happening at the moment and the calls we're getting from people who were unsure if they need to get accommodation or not for the year ahead and this is something that we get a, a lot on the show Eileen is in Newmarket she can't find a dentist in Mallow or Newmarket that will take uh, the medical card or medical card patients she needs to get a tooth out it will cost her over 100 euro and she says she can't afford that kind of money uh, well yeah you will have problems it's something we discussed on the show and this is uh, the amount of dentists and the number of dentists who are dropping out of the medical card scheme and it's because of what was happening between the department and uh, the dentists it's in complete chaos at the moment and still is in that situation so you will have to go looking and basically ring around to see if a dentist will uh, cover you and take on medical card patients but it is an issue at the moment in so many areas of the county and Trish is in Blackpool on the prisoners she says let the prisoners come back only if the foreign government agrees to pay the cost of their keep in Ireland if they do then bring them back Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen for top quality plants advice and value think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres C103 and good afternoon to the Irish gardener Peter Dowdall hi Peter Good afternoon, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine. How are you today? I'm good. I was listening to all your talk about scams there before the break, and I was thinking, just get out into the garden. There's no scammers in the garden. <laughs> That's true. That's true. No, no one out in the garden going to scam you on, on a call. Uh, is this sunny where you are, or is it cloudy? Sun is splitting the stones, but the sun always splits the stones in Cork, doesn't it? <laughs> Doesn't it just always in the sun? I suppose rains. is it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I better say nothing. I'll say nothing. <laughs> okay, we we'll get into the gardening questions. And first of all, this is from a person on WhatsApp who's asking: uh, They bought daffodil bulbs, but they're asking now, when can I sow them? 
Probably a bit too early. Yeah, well, I suppose we're at the end of August. You could start now. I wouldn't sow most of my bulbs. I wouldn't sow them till kind of uh, September onwards, depending. Some of the very early ones, like it depends on which daffodil it is. Believe it or not, there's thousands of varieties of them. So some of the early flowering varieties uh, you would plant around now. But the majority of, of the more common varieties, any time really from now to December, even into January. But it's always a nice idea, I think, particularly if you have a lot of bulbs, to stagger the planting over a couple of, of, couple of weeks. Because if you plant a few now, a few next week, and then a few the week after, well, then you'll extend the flowering period in the spring as well. So, I mean, the short answer, any time from now to the end of December. And Jane is in Mallow. She has two sedum plants in big containers. Now, one is doing very well, but one of them looks like it's on the way out. And would nitro liquid feed, would that be a good idea to bring it on? Uh, not really at this time of the year, because depending what sedum it is, it's probably a herbaceous one. Now, all that term means, John Paul, is that it's something that dies back underground for the winter. So uh, it's probably just in the nature of it, if you know what I mean. It might have dried out a bit or whatever, but it could just be dying back that bit early. It's not, I hate to say it now that we're coming into the winter, but it's not actually that early. Uh, end of August, start of September. It's probably about a month earlier than what it should be. But feeding it now would be kind of counterproductive because you're going against the natural cycle in the plant and you're trying to promote new growth and then in a couple of weeks it'll want to die back naturally anyway. So I don't think that the, the plant is damaged or harmed in any way. I think it's probably just dying back for the winter a bit early, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go interfering, you know. And last week, Peter, you remember we were speaking and hearing from people and we had pictures on WhatsApp uh, from people who had palm trees and, you know, the centre of the palm tree was dead and the outside was, was blossoming fine, but part of the tree was dying. And we had a big reaction to that after the show. Pat, one of the texters last week towards the end, uh, just wants to know why, because he's noticing wherever he goes across Cork, uh, this situation whereby a palm tree looks like it's in full bloom and it's, it's growing, but the centre of it is dying. Any reason why that is and why is he noticing that uh, in so many areas of Cork when he's driving around? Well, there's, uh, I suppose, uh, to answer that, 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 comprehensively John Paul you actually need to look at each individual situation but to try and give you a general answer so when you say that the, the palm tree is, is in green leaf and everything fine but at the mm. centre of it is brown that's totally natural in other words if you can imagine a, a Christmas tree shaped conifer or palm tree uh, all the outside is green but then when you go inside the greenery a few inches towards the stem or towards the trunk that's brown and that's totally natural because there's no sunlight getting to the base of it. And, and conifers and palm trees like that, this is why they don't respond well to pruning, because if you cut into the brown wood, it won't regenerate. It's just, that's, that's as I say, that's nature. However, what we were looking at last week, and this is probably what your caller is referring to now, uh, there was one whole branch, if you like, um, or one segment of the tree that had gone brown outside and inside. It was either, as I said last week, it was either environmental damage caused by maybe a bit of weed killer drift or maybe caused by a stem broke or something like that, which I was would be hopeful was the reason, because if that's not the reason, uh, then it's likely to be a fungal infection, something like Phytophthora. So, yes, very often when you drive around the country and we're all staycationing now, which could answer why he's seeing it more now, he might be spending more time driving around Ireland than, than mm. normal. Um, you see kind of a nice mature hedge, not always conifer, it could be a grisolinia, it could be something else, and you just see one or more random plants, seem to be random throughout the hedge, that, that, that could be dead when the others look fine. More often than not, that's a fungal infection. It could be Phytophthora, which is a, a nasty enough disease, actually related to the same family of diseases that gave us the potato blight a couple of hundred years ago. Oh. But um, that, 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 that's just an aside. But the Phytophthora... 
it's it's a notifiable disease and that you need to tell the Department of Agriculture if, if you have it or if you suspect it. But it's so widespread at the moment, I, I, you know, you really just need to, to dig them out and remove them. As to why it's happening, who knows, I'm afraid. it's 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 We're all kind of becoming expert on disease, spread of disease for obvious reasons over the last couple of years. It's the same in the world of horticulture. Diseases spread, fungal infections spread. Um, the only thing I would say is they, they're so, they tend to be soil-borne and they're spread by the rain hitting the soil and spattering the spores and they move that way. Uh, the, all we can do really in terms of, of protecting in the garden is hygiene. It, it's, it's the same as you know, cleaning our hands. You clean the tools, sanitise your garden tools. If you're pruning something that's diseased, don't spread that disease onto the next plant. Um, so that's kind of, in, in as accurate an answer as I can give you, that's it. OK, well, hopefully that helps a lot of people who were on to us after the show last week uh, from our, our conversation with that. And that would explain a lot and what people are seeing across the county. Uh, Eileen is in Mallow, Peter. Now, she has a few hydrangeas that are not flowering. They're three years old and she's wondering, should they have pink flowers? They should have pink flowers and she's well, wondering why not. Uh, I, if they're three years old, I wonder, are they three years old? from a cutting if you know what I mean so did she take a cutting of them three years ago in which case maybe it might just be a bit more patience maybe next year or are they three years old like that she bought them in a garden centre three years ago in which case obviously they're a lot more because they would have been a couple of years old when she got them in the garden centre so the, the, the best advice I can give in either situation is to feed them with a, a good rich tomato food something like the nature safe organic seaweed tomato food that, that's an Irish one and it's a very very good one uh, because not all tomato foods are equal if you like some are some are better than others and I'm the kind of I'm a lazy gardener so if I'm going to go to the effort of feeding it I want to know that I'm I'm giving it the right stuff so unfortunately for this year's blooms with the hydrangea if they're not on it yet it's very unlikely they're going to promote or produce any now it might be as I say that it's just too young particularly if it's from a cutting that's only three years old uh, or finally I wonder was she has she pruned it over the last couple of years? If she has, um, she may have just pruned it that bit too hard because we've often had the conversation, John Paul, if you remember, that when you're cutting hydrangeas, there's a magic number seven, and that is if you look at the nodes on the stem. So a node is quite simply where a leaf meets the stem. Now during the winter there's no leaves, but you can still see the leaf buds and the nodes. If if you prune it that there's less than seven nodes on a stem, that stem won't flower. So it will flower in time, but just not the following year. So it could that also could be a reason if she has if, if there isn't seven nodes on it yet because it's too young, or because she pruned it a bit too hard. One of those could be the reason as well. Okay, Ted is in Glantan. He said he has grown first to early potatoes this year, uh, but he wants to know: can he leave them in the ground until he needs them, or should he lift them up now? No, I would lift them, lift them certainly. And unfortunately, with first earlys, they don't store particularly well. You know, they're what we call new potatoes, John Paul. Mm, so they don't yeah. store particularly well. Not like not like the main crop. Um, the main crop potatoes will store away. But no, I wouldn't leave them in the ground. Uh, they'll probably just begin to rot, and they could, um, they could, uh, it could lead to, to to fungal infections like blight, which I mentioned earlier on, coming into the, into the crop. So no, I would definitely take them out. Okay, and Rhea is in Skibbereen and there's two plants and she spelt them so I'm going to pronounce the way they're spelt. She says, please ask Peter, are Astronetia and Gora only short-lived perennials as I can never seem to keep them for more than a couple of years? Asked Rhea in Skib. Well, at the risk of sounding cheeky, I would say that maybe they are in Skib because if, if you've tried growing them and you've got Astrantia and Gora, you were pretty accurate, John Paul. Oh, fair play, um, yeah, that's good. See, I'm learning every day. <laughs> You are, because uh, I don't mean that answer to be a cheeky answer, because if, if like, I, I also find that we short-lived, like, you look up the textbooks, 
uh, are the websites and they won't say anything about them being short-lived. But if I find something like the Astrantias, uh, I plant them in my garden. And yes, after a few years, they do get weaker. and They, they do sometimes, but particularly the Gowras, in fact, with me, they, they, they never really thrive for more than a year or two. So I find them short-lived. So what I do uh, with the Astrantias is... Um, Sometimes I collect seed, but more times I, I kind of divide it if it's even if the clump is anyway big enough to divide and keep one of the, the offsets in a pot uh, to keep it coming. Um, the If they have full sun, the Astrantia will do in a certain amount of shade, but the Gaura does like full sun and a well-drained soil. Uh, give them those conditions wherever possible. So if you can give them a well, if, they, if they're in any kind of moisture retentive soil, particularly if it's wet in, or, I mean, obviously it's wet in the winter, but if the soil isn't well drained, so if it's holding water in the winter, that will lead to them being shorter lived, if you know what I mean. So a well drained soil in a sunny position to give them their best opportunity. Okay, this is something that we've heard on before from people and this is Susan in Kinsale. She has a very old big tree and they usually sit under it but at the moment it has a lot of wasps flying around. Now, she cannot see them. There's no nest she can see within the tree. She wants to know is there anything she can do, any advice? She has tried uh, different kind of candles and vinegar but nothing is helping this matter. There, there may or may not be a nest. I suspect you'd know about it if there was a nest because there would be thousands uh, and you'd see where they're coming and going. What you just find at this time of the year near, near streams and near trees is just there are a lot of wasps around. There's a lot of everything around, thank God. I was in a, a gorgeous garden yesterday, in fact, up not a million miles from where you are at the moment, John Paul, uh, and they let, it's a big, big garden, several acres, but they let an awful lot of it go wild um, and it really was gorgeous. All the wild flowers, all the seed heads, and just a hive of activity. I don't know how many different species of insects were there, but it was like it was loud walking through it, you know, from the insect uh, activity. So in the, this tree where you where you are sitting under it, there are a lot of wasps. It's only going to be temporary. Um, as I said, there may or may not be a nest up there, but it's very possible that there isn't. They're just very, very active. Uh, and they're possible, depending on what tree it is, if it's in flower, they could be feeding on the pollen of it. Uh, I would be careful if it's bees. I would have no, wouldn't bother me sitting anywhere near them. But if it's wasps and there's a lot of activity, I would be careful. Uh, there really is little enough you can do in terms of deterring them in open spaces. There is one product and it's, it's called the Waspinator and I have it myself actually where I am. It's like an artificial, it's, an, it's a fake wasp's nest if you like. So you hang it uh, where you know if wasps are a problem. So you could hang a few of them off the tree and wasps will see it and they'll think that uh, this is a theory anyway, that they'll, they'll recognise that as, as an existing nest so they won't go anywhere near it in case they get attacked. So I do hang a few of them in my garden and I do find them quite effective. I think I find them quite effective. You can never be 100% sure, but I'm not seeing that many wasps. So the other thing is, you know, in a month's time, the wasps will all be gone but of course you won't really want to be sitting outside under the tree in October either do you know no no, unless the weather is going to be good for October <laughs> you won't be sitting outside it um, Kay is on text she wants to know what is the best time to slip hydrangea and how best to do it well now actually uh, July August really probably getting a bit late but you should still be very successful in fact I took a few for a child recently who, who expressed an interest in the hydrangea. So I said, oh, come on, we like nothing like nurturing her interest. We went off and took a few cuttings. So hopefully they'll root for her. Um, but uh, the, the, the t- so the time to do it is July, August. You're, what you want is what's called officially, if you like, JP, a, a semi-ripe nodal cutting. So what that means is, as the, the caller asks, it's a slip. It's a fancy word for a slip. So you need to take a cutting. The semi-ripe refers to this year's growth. So it needs to be this year's growth. Um, 
you cut at a node and again a node like i mentioned earlier is that that magical part of the stem where the leaf meets the, the stem that's where all the hormones are, are concentrated particularly the auxins in this case because we want the auxins to, to to grow roots okay so you, the base of the cutting has to be at a node remove the leaves from that basal node uh, the cutting could contain maybe three nodes in total the base one a middle one and a top one right which means it'd probably be about six inches in length remove all but the top one or two leaves so you don't leave four or six leaves or anything like that on the cutting you just leave one or maybe two leaves at the very top if there's a flower or a flower bud or or a terminal bud on it remove that as well because you want all the energy going into the, the, the base node to produce roots. You don't want any energy going into more leaves or more flowers or anything like that. Uh, six inches, cutting at a node, the base of it should be a node, uh, top pair of leaves at the top node, into a bit of rooting powder, into a pot full of compost, uh, and they should root away quite quickly at this time of the year, I would think. Okay, hopefully that helps you there, Kay, and that's where we have to leave it. Peter, thank you for that. Are you doing anything online or are you holding off until September for that? Oh no, we're 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 back online. Oh, we're, we're it's bulb season. It's bulb season. So we are mad. Set pre-order is trying to. We're selling pre-order, pre-season bulb orders for delivery in kind of October now at this stage, and the bulbs are just beginning to come in. So the next uh, the next six weeks will be pretty pretty nuts busy. Hectic, very good. Well, Peter, thank you for that, and we'll chat to you next Wednesday as usual. That is Peter Doddle, the Irish Gardener. You'll find him on Instagram, on Facebook at the Irish Gardener or theirishgardener.com. That's it from us today. My thanks to you for all your calls and comments. Thanks Thanks to Bernie who worked in the show. Patricia, back with you tomorrow. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.